This is a car show, but it's also more because cars connect us to every part of our lives. Families, careers, hobbies, and adventures we never expected. So you should have a car you love. And we're here to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We're back. We're coming in hot. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. We have lots to talk about. There is a ton of stuff going on. This podcast has many, many, many car conclusions and a really cool car debate coming up. And you guys are awesome with the questions because, Paul, you posted that fantastic photo of you and I skiing over this past weekend where we're, we're fully covered up and I wore my Star Wars extra helmet thing, So, which I love, actually. <laughs> I think so. people are right. I think it's Daft Punk. I think I you think might be right. It Daft Punk has returned, everyone. We, we do look like the new Daft Punk album. It's You're right. us. Full disclosure. <laughs> Nobody's ever known. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, actually, right. that's not uh-huh. true. I have none of that talent. Yeah, finally, we got enough snow. We, yeah. we went skiing, yeah. and uh, yeah, you pulled your son, and uh, mm-hmm. we three of us went skiing, so he's the one who took the photo, and yeah, it was great. It was just nice to be back and relaxed and... Yeah, go for a couple hours. and I bought a ridiculous mirrored helmet, which I actually love. I had all kinds, sorry, backstory. I, I had all cool. kinds of issues cool. with trying to figure out last year when we had that epic, epic year, all these issues with trying to figure out how to just keep my head warm in crazy crosswinds. And one day I saw like, this guy in this I will try everything. full helmet. And I was like, where did that come from? Found one, love it. And now I'm just a, a, I'm a skiing mirror. We are touching on some things that have been introduced at the Tokyo Motor Show. Mm -hmm. First off is the Hyundai NPX1 concept, where they have gone away from their traditional N colors. It's all charcoal gray. It's all blacked out. It's the N-specific enhancements on top of the N-performance parts on top of the N-Ionic 5 that makes it the even bigger wing, even more arrow. But they have gone for this special edition, gone away from their light blue... True. With yep. red pinstriping yep. You're right. or a, a body in white with mm-hmm. a red pinstriping mm-hmm. and black accents. But you know who has picked that up is Nissan. <laughs> <laughs> Nissan has introduced their electric Nismo Nissan Aria with 430 horsepower, which seems a little low in the day and age of fast, high horsepower EVs. But they have picked up the light Hyundai N blue with the mm. red pinstriping and the black lower accents to make something that you might confuse for a Hyundai N performance product. Yeah, but it's you're right. not. You're right. It it's looks the, just like that same exact. Paint does it tin. not? It looks like the same paint tin. And then yeah. I'll I'll spin the laptop around so you can see their white and dark blue versions of the same thing. And you know they're kind of trading on what Hyundai has already established as this is the performance version. The mm-hmm. color scheme is now resonating through everybody's minds as that's the performance version. I know it because that point. light blue with the yeah, red rockers point. and yeah. the red pinstripe rockers and the black accents. I mean, they're doing white. that with the with the Z car now as well. But you're right. It all feels like a nod to Hyundai at this point. I also have to say that this Aria SUV in Nismo trim is one of those moments that I always wonder about at a manufacturer where somebody wanders into the performance end of the business and goes, can you take our least performance-oriented car and make one of your versions? And you know when they walk out, that person like snaps their pencil in half and goes for a coffee break because they just don't know how to deal. This is... They start smoking. I'm telling you. The, I mean, look, the Ionic in its... You know, the Ionic obviously is becoming this even angrier version in PX1 thing. But the Ionic 5, from the moment it came out, people were talking about how it was pretty interesting to drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Aria is not. So you're no. starting with something that no. even among the electric cars that we've driven, we're just kind of like this is just vehicle. 
There's nothing dynamic in this. So they are really going to have to come a long way to make something that feels like a Nismo product out of this vehicle. Okay, apparently performance electric SUVs is what we all need, right? We need that, Paul. We need it. <laughs> I d- see, I didn't know that. But what a shameless ripoff to get there. Nissan, where yeah. is your color scheme mm. that makes it your thing? I mean, I know that's kind of been touched on with the new Nismo Z, and it does make it look distinctive. It looks like, you know, all right, yeah. cool, high, high performance sports car. But doing that to the Aria, where the lightest version of it is 4,500 pounds and the heaviest version Mm. is almost 4,900 pounds. Now I know Mercedes AMG exists for their SUVs and they are incredible performers, but nobody thinks, you know what? I'm, I'm having a track day soon. I should take (laughs) the AMG SUV for a track day. There's track apps on it. Mercedes says you Mm -hmm. can take it to the track. Yeah. Yeah. You will pay a fortune in brakes and tires just to track the thing. Not You're to right. mention gas. You're right. Yeah. It can. And it's impressive that it can, but <laughs> track enthusiasts Should you? want the lightest thing possible. You're right. They want You're right. a lightweight, high performance track car. It's not just about power. And in terms of power, 430 horsepower isn't a lot for an EV. Well, that is interesting also it's because that's, not. that's the thing that we found when we drove the Aria is that it has performance that is solid and interesting among the pantheon of SUVs in general. But once you step into electric cars, it was like, shouldn't you have a little more? And now we're talking about electric performance cars and it's it's quick and fast and all that, but not compared to what everybody else is doing as the benchmark. It's very interesting. Keep it the same horsepower. Fine. Make it the lightest, most interesting, delicate thing, then people would take notice. Mm. It's still 4,500 pounds. 430 horsepower is a lot on track. And then lightweight the thing. That's the differentiator, yeah, Nissan. Yeah, fair point. And it's 3,000 pounds, 3,500 pounds in a big SUV, even though you really don't want to track that thing still. <laughs> but make it lightweight, and you, that's where the mojo is, because this feels just like a shameless ripoff. And it's really kind of frustrating to see. I, I want creativity. I, I want Nissan to come up with their own distinctive look. Mm. Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listings anywhere online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and far beyond your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure not to miss anything. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Autotempest is now the official sponsor of all our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing so you can see what's out there, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars, one search. This Topic Tuesday is Car Conclusions. We haven't done them in a while, and you guys have been amazing writing to us your really car conclusions. Ones, yeah. Starting off with our friend Thomas D. Tommy in Portland, Oregon. He's been with us on the Utah Adventures now two, two different times. Mm-hmm. Tommy, thank you for writing. And he writes to us about his journey to where he's gotten now. Because it started last summer when he decided to sell his 987 Cayman S after 20,000 enjoyable but expensive miles. Mm. He wound up with one of the needy cars. I'm sorry to hear it. <laughs> Couldn't afford to daily it. Okay, copy that. He made the difficult decision to sell it and has had a positive experience on cars and bids, but previously thought that he put a lot of thought into his decision to buy the Cayman. So what does he do next? And he turned to our Discord, the community on Discord that patrons have access to. 
It's a lot of people on there keeping the debate going. There's so many conversations and so many different categories of interest. We'll say. Never ceases to fascinate me how much that just explodes between the times I log. I log on and I'm like, how how long was I away? <laughs> yeah, true. Like, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, I also learned early on, this is just me personally. I, I know many of you do, th- do this. I just can't. I turned off all notifications related to Discord. There's a lot. Because there's yeah. got to be so much going on. I can't. I can't possibly. Won't be able to I'll check it at some point. Yeah. Your battery on your phone will wear out very quickly. Well, Tommy's always been curious about the ISF in that fabulous ultrasonic blue, he writes, mm-hmm. and glorious V8 noises that drim in. And he took a terrific, terrific road trip, taking Highway 395 through Eastern California and back home to Portland. And then that ISF that he bought joined us in Utah for his first Utah adventure. I remember when he showed up with that car. It was very cool. It was cool to see one because you just don't see them really anymore. Yeah, you don't. During that trip, he drove an NC Miata. Another Discord (laughs) patron that lives in Portland was quick to loan Tommy the keys to a well-set-up NA Miata encouraged him to thrash it on Oregon backroads. So he experienced the the NC third gen on the Utah adventure and then goes back home and drives this well-set-up NA and realizes he... (laughs) must have a Miata. So he he said in the end of January, perfect convertible weather, he said he bought a dark green 1999 NB. That's the second gen Miata. And it sits in the driveway next to the ISF. So he has the blue ISF and the green second gen 1999 NB Miata. This is his garage. Pretty nice garage, Tommy. But then towards the end of September, he test drove a 2018 Golf R on a passing recommendation from another friend on Discord. (laughs) Considering he didn't connect with that GTI, he wasn't expecting much, but he turns out he was wrong. The Golf R solved all of the issues that he had with the GTI. Hmm. Maybe he just drove a bad example of a GTI, he says, but even the build quality of the Golf R felt improved over the GTI. Hmm. So his test drive was a manual. It was not a DSG like that GTI that he drove. That definitely changes things. colored his view, he realizes. He said the power is terrific, the manual's engaging, the ride is comfortable, and it's well controlled with the adaptive dampers. He likes the seats, he likes the interior, and the Fender audio sounds superb. So what you're saying is you got the Golf R and like it, Tommy? Is that what you're saying? Got that sense, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then a few days after that test drive... Again, turning back to Discord. <laughs> it's like a car lot on there, apparently. Yeah, It is. I, I got my wish. Pink slips are finally happening. You did. It absolutely is happening, yes. Devin, known as Legend, happened to be selling a Golf R. And he and Tommy came to a deal. By the following week, the car was on a truck making its way from North Carolina out to Oregon. And Tommy is now the proud owner of a black six-speed 2018 Golf R with 43,000 miles and a meticulous first owner. Love it. The next paragraph is is the best part, though. <laughs> okay. Including shipping, the car cost him thirty three nine, okay. which Tommy feels is fair in this current market that we're in. And he says, eagle-eared listeners will notice <laughs> that is over his original budget of twenty five grand. Yes, it's almost ten grand over. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How off am I? When you're, 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 not, you're not that off. You That's, this want is, this it. Is, it happens all the time. Want it. Yeah. He's had the golf about a month now, and he is loving it. So it's a perfect daily driver. He's gone on a couple of fun drives. He might just bring it to the next Utah meetup. He's threatening to bring maybe, it. <laughs> maybe the NB Miata. But, but, Tommy, I just love this story. I also love that you keep circling back to the everyday driver, just fan base that are the patrons that are on that Discord, and they have been helpful to you in, in not only finding cars that might be you should drive, but also finding those cars to drive. 
It's not just like, here's your list, but like, I have one, come drive it, which is so cool. Mm. I think that's amazing. We hope to see you on a future adventure, but we're glad that you found a car you like. And I do think it's funny, to your point, Paul, that's a 10 grand swing on what was already not a huge budget. That is a big, big change. And you do note that. (laughs) All right, everyone listening, I need your help. For your future car conclusions, mm-hmm. include the last paragraph, how much over you spent. <laughs> I need ammo. Most people actually Bring do it. spend I know, over. They, they, they do, admit. and they mention, mention so, it. Yeah, some for admit, sure. but there's yeah. others that I, I feel like you might have left that part off. So if it's in there, I need to be bolstered. My argument That's needs very to be bolstered funny. over here. That's very funny. And uh, Tommy, congratulations on a great car. Maybe the discord that we have is the answer to people's question about how do I test drive things? Maybe it's by joining Discord and it's amazing asking how much it's the happened. community. Yeah, it's amazing how much has happened. Matthew M. is in Baltimore, Maryland. He writes to us recently to ask if we can determine if he's healed. Uh, probably not, but anyway. <laughs> going to go with no. He has written to us to fully diagnose his disease and let him know if there's a cure. He goes, he goes through cars because he, he loves the experience of learning and enjoying different cars. Sharing why he loves so cars so much, Matthew grew up poor. When he was a kid, he says one of the few toys his parents could afford were Matchbox cars. And he would get lost in the imagination of it and what it would be like to drive amazingly cool cars like 911s and Ferrari 308s and Corvette Stingrays. He said, you name it, I dreamed of it. As he became blessed with the means to try a nice daily car and some fun cars, he guess he can't stop. <laughs> Okay, so he recently updated his garage. He now has a Volvo XC90 inscription, so the loaded-out Volvo XC97 seater and a Boxster S. So he would he would like to confirm with us that he's solved it. <laughs> I think that's hysterical. He'd like to confirm that he has the right prescription for the illness, and he he's he's perfectly happy now. He said he doesn't doesn't go to the track. He said he you know he loves to drive fun in the twisties, but of course he obviously has to commute and needs a family car, and that's where the XC90 is great. With the value of his two cars, would we do it differently? His only regret of all the cars he's owned was he used to have a 911, doesn't anymore. But at the time in his life, it made sense to get rid of it. He's uh, he's actually wondering, did I do this right? Now, this is a problem, actually, Matthew, because you did it right for you and for now. Mm-hmm, but At this time. But ask us in three years. I mean, what I do like is the balance here. You have the really nice, luxurious, seven-seat family hauler mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the dedicated two-seat sports car that is also a nice place to be. That is a really nice, balanced garage. But, you know, let's be honest. If it were me, I did it too, Cayenne and Elise. Cayenne, I went Cayenne. Well, okay, fine. I went. <laughs> fair point. I Plural. went. I went more. It was paid off. We just kept it. And maybe, <laughs> maybe. And, and we're talking about a build now. So I, I'm, I kind of excused. Not Aha. really. But um, Did you hear that, everybody? The, uh, Did you the hear that? We have the Cayenne, which is the nice family car. But I needed more performance than the XC90, and we mm-hmm. don't need seven seats. So there you go. And then the Elise, which is the much more hardcore thing along the lines of the Boxster. But I ultimately, if you look at it another way, Matthew, I did the same combination as you just leaned a little bit more toward driving, just a little bit. Matthew, thank you for sending your full car list. He says the only one he regrets regrets letting go is the 911. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, cash flow is always an issue. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following the show. And you know what? Things may change. So write to us when they do. That's the thing. I don't think you're healed. I think it's (laughs) just you're you're, you're okay. You're in remission from looking. (laughs) Right. There we go. You will look again. Shane Sherman is writing as well, and he's still looking. We were critical in helping him understand how to handle this addiction. He wrote a giant question about what car is next back in 2017. 
We talked him out of his Evo and into a 911, hmm. and he hasn't slowed down his buying since then. He's traded a lot of things. M240, 911C4S, 997.2, an 05 Lotus Elise, BMW 1M, Colorado ZR2, a Rivian, on and on. It wow, goes. I love it. It is so obvious, he says, that we have influenced him deeply. Shane, thank you. I'm honored to be part of your car journey. Mm -hmm. We, we are agree. absolutely, yeah, we love sure. that. Is it worth the huge sticker price bump to get into an R8? Hmm. He's debating R8s right now. The 2012 to 2014 R8 V10 versus the 2010-ish V8-powered R8. Hmm. Is it worth that sticker of the, the price bump, 40 to 50 grand? He says both are manual. Assume they're both around 20,000 miles on the odometer and pristine. So it's an easy comparison what would we do? Mini lightning round, car debate, go. I, hmm. Here, here's the thing. I The R8 V8 manual with the six-speed gated shifter is on my personal short list. I would love to have mm -hmm. one. They're so cool. Those early cars are so cool. That uh, 4.2 liter V8, it was the one that was in the RS4. Yeah. A variant of that was also my Phaeton. That's not why I like it, but I just think it's interesting <laughs> that they're connected. I, I think it's line. fascinating. Yeah. There was actually one day when I was getting, sorry, when I was getting the Phaeton worked on, and the, the tech said to me, well, this would be easier if it were in the R8. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, well, actually, because it's turned differently in the R8, we could get to that part easier. And I was like, yeah, I'd like to have the R8 too, but we're working about the Phaeton right now. <laughs> that's not where we're at. Anyway, so that's a really cool Audi V8. Mm, yeah. The V10 is a more exotic engine. It's the, it's the, shares it with the Lamborghini. Okay. So the V10 is the more exotic engine. It is more powerful, but if you look at stats, anybody that compares these back to back, it's only slightly faster, but it's more powerful, more places. And it has the V10 howl and the V10 exotic nature. So in that regard, exotic feel, I could see you leaning V10, but what's your usage? Mm. Because the V8 is not only cheaper, but also lighter which means I would go V8, but I can understand if you're looking for exotic feel, maybe you go V10. I'm wondering if you've bought the car ready by this time, Shane, and I suppose you've you've had to learn about what are the small issues. Are there, for, for both R8s, mm -hmm. is there one car that will be more costly in clutches because of the different design? Or, you know what I mean? Some yeah, yeah, little yeah, yeah. thing that you need to pinpoint. But I like the styling of the earliest cars the, the they look early really R8s, yeah. I like the styling more. I think really things great. got diluted mm. the, the longer the run of the R8s got. Mm. I like the beginning R8, the first one with the manual. So great. They're such good cars. David C. writes to us recently from episode 790. Okay. David writes that he and his family overcame the American mindset. Interesting. Okay, I'm hanging on. Wow, well, we took that debate on in episode 790 when he asked for our thoughts on selling his newer pickup truck to get a fun commuter and a basic work truck. Okay. The refresher is they had a truck, David's Boxster, and his wife's Grand Cherokee L. I remember this, yep. Since then, they've had their daughter, and she and David's wife are thriving. That's great news, which really tops the story about that he's going to share. He got formal MOF approval to sell his truck. Okay. And then he got bored by a Mazda 3 Turbo. <laughs> he got bullied for considering a Tesla Model 3. Wait, what? Almost <laughs> We're dumped. circling back there. Okay, hang on. Go on. He almost dumped thousands into an old M3 and finally rescued a low-mileage 2008 Lexus ISF. And no, I don't think it was Tommy's. Yeah, I was going to say, D David, have you talked to Tommy? Anyway, moving <laughs> on. Yeah, okay. He wanted fun to drive, four doors that could comfortably fit a car seat. Okay. An automatic because his wife didn't want to be forced to learn stick. Okay. Something reliable, low maintenance, 
Tracking a Boxster is expensive, he realizes, and better gas mileage. Okay. But between that list, common issues that he looked up for each car and his preferences on aesthetics, he landed on a Mazda 3 Turbo, which he got, but he had to wait until one arrived at their local dealer to test drive it. He says all he could think about during and after the test drive was he's bored. <laughs> is it really worth selling his truck for this? Even turbocharged, the Mazda 3's inline four and luxury tune suspension didn't cut it for him. Interesting. Okay. All right. He was so sure that he loved the Mazda 3 Turbo. Well, he didn't get it. He, he was yeah. sure that he would love it. Yeah. After he test drove it, he was like, I'm really, I'm really not doing this now. Yeah. Because he did have a Mazda 3 in college. Mm-hmm. That was and he, it. He thought, he thought he was going to love it, and he drove it, was disappointed by it. But <laughs> he was so con- convinced he was going to love it that as soon as he walked away from the Mazda 3 Turbo, he went, now what? <laughs> and so he's looking at everything and he thought, you know what, I'm going to try a wild card because, you know, Randy Popes really talks about how great the Tesla Model 3 is. And so he started entertaining the Tesla Model 3. His, his commentary here is, who am I to question Randy Popes? And he said, well, I may not be that person, but my friend sure is. He had a friend oh my gosh. who threatened to drive three hours to his house to get in David's face to actually convince him that there was absolutely no reason to buy a Tesla Model 3. And he kept laughing and saying many things. The key one was, you realize you could get an E90 M3 for that money? Now, he acknowledges that nothing says reliable low-maintenance cost like an old BMW, which is terrifying. But he suddenly realized that he could go and get something that interesting and he could let the Model 3 go. Also, his friend was kind of bullying him that he couldn't get a Model 3. So that part of it died as well. Wow. He found a single owner, low mileage M3 example in Texas, but all the maintenance records were lost at auction. That happens. Okay. So those vanished into the, into the, the ether. They're never coming back. You know, I think there's a big trash can fire out back where as the cars come into the auction at one end, they throw away all the extra stuff, including records. And so they leave fresh, clean with no records at all. <laughs> I think that's, I think they just, it's a, yeah. It's an I oil wonder. can fire. Anyway, that's happening. Wow. So he decided he didn't like that. The dealer didn't come down on price. So he was going, like, I just don't know what I have to change. So he was considering leaving that idea. And suddenly he realized, I know the answer. It's that 08 to 2013 Lexus ISF because that will be reliable. If you talk to Tommy, I feel like you and Tommy <laughs> had a conversation. Anyway. I, yeah, you know they were commiserating over this car. And David suddenly remembered how much he fawned over those cars in high school, just like that M3, and it felt perfect. So he found a low-mileage example in Arizona, came to a deal with the dealer, ordered a carrier to pick it up. He asks if we've recommended the ISF in the past, and if not, mm-hmm. what did we see as the better option over you know, recommending something else over that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we, we haven't really talked about it because BMW M3s exist. That is always They're so thing. much more compelling, but we never really take into long-term ownership because... We can't yeah, in a test true, drive. True. No, that, that is the big thing is, is, yes, we've talked about the ISF in the past. And the thing that I normally say, and I'll say it again here, the best thing about the ISF is that very interesting engine. And I always, when I drove it, always felt like the chassis wasn't quite up to the engine. Whereas I felt like the E90 M3 was more of a complete package. Doesn't mean the ISF is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Paul already nailed it and you've already experienced it. And that is how long do you want to have this car and what old version are you buying? And at some point, the scale tips rather dramatically toward, you know, the ISF is going to run, right? Have you seen the forum listings for what happens with the E90? Yeah. David, thank you for writing. I'm glad you have a car that you love, but you fawned over. Mm -hmm. And now you're driving. You have it. Fantastic. Remember James? Now, James wrote in on episode 8, 
39, and he was writing, and, and honestly, it definitely choked me up. It kind of choked us both up because he was telling the story about losing his dad, and his dad had a Corvette when his dad died, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the Corvette that James liked. And so there was a lot of family turmoil in what do I do Mm-hmm. Dad has kind of given me charge of the Corvette I don't want to have charge of, and I remember this old Z06. So James listened to us talk about the story. He shared it with his wife. She got her mom to listen. He got his mom to listen. The whole family listened to this this whole family discussion about this Z06, and then he started digging. I, By the way, I don't remember us saying this, but anyway, he started digging to find his dad's old Z06. And he found it. And it's not like, here's where the story is really crazy to me. It's not like he found the guy his dad sold it to. No, this car has been all over the nation since. (laughs) He said he got enough to figure out that it made its way from his dad to Florida, then to Georgia, then to North Carolina, and finally to the current owner in Rhode Island. Wow, working its way up the East Coast. He finally got a hold of the current owner who he said he was actually glad wasn't too concerned about how on earth he got that guy's number. We live in the internet age, so your number's out there. Exactly. Told the guy the whole story (laughs) and asked the current owner in Rhode Island, will you please sell me the Z06? And that owner thought for a long time and said, no, I will not. He loves it. He said, this C6 Z06 is awesome. He flew to North Carolina and bought it sight unseen. It's the perfect one for him. The only way he'd possibly sell it is if James had a C7 Z06 to trade him, which James doesn't have that car. So this guy is described as peak Corvette owner. He actually owns an entire golf club house and likes the fact that the Z06 can, quote, dust the smug faces off the 911 owners that come through the club. He is in the process of boosting this car to over 600-wheel horsepower, and James admits he's not a real fan of how the car looks now, but the reality is he's found Dad's old Z06, but he can't get it back. I like that you at least found it, James. That's crazy, isn't it? At least you know where it is. And it's moved all over. And the fact that this owner wants to do stuff to it, okay, you know what? It it belongs to that person. Yeah, of course. Okay. So since then, James has tried to do some driving homework. He found an extremely low mileage Viper, an 03 Viper with new, mm. new tires and coilovers. They refused to let anyone test drive it unless they had $60,000 cash on hand. Okay. And he moved on to a 2018 Camaro ZL1 six-speed manual in garnet red tint coat. It was excellent, just a few scuffs here and there. But the first time James ever asked the salesman, is this stock suspension? <laughs> I could see the, the confusion yes. over the salesperson's head. Mm-hmm. It did not handle any little bump in the road well at all. The visibility has gotten remarkably worse since 2010. It's like you're piloting the world's most capable submarine with just the periscope. He wow, writes, okay. That is not kind. He's not sure if that's an indicator of James getting older or explains why they're pricing it at $48,000 with 43,000 miles on it. He found another 08 Z06, but he's not sure he's a fan of yellow and he hasn't made time to see it in person yet. There's nothing wrong with yellow. It doesn't work on every car, but I will say there's nothing wrong with yellow. I mean, yellow's cool. It it, it can be great, yes. This all leads James to cars that he's always wanted, like a 90s JDM car and that 02 Pontiac Firebird WS6. Mm, Okay, yeah. Recently, a super importer moved his dealership within nine miles of James' house, and James went over there. Two cars caught his eye. A complete frame-off restoration of a right-hand drive super in Royal Sapphire Pearl for $56,000. When can I jump in? Oh, my gosh. The, hang on. You know they sold this car here, right? <laughs> it's, and here's the crazy part. Yeah. The, look, I understand it's a frame-off restoration, but it is right-hand drive, 
and it is the non-turbo, and they want $56,000, and I'm sorry, but that is a big old no. (laughs) No! For the wrong hand drive. Look, I understand right-hand drive is interesting and cute, but the wrong side of the car for a car they sold in, I stand by this, a car they sold in this country, and it's not the turbo. Now, I realize the turbos are hundred grand, but $56,000 for that car, I'm going to say it, James, you're not going to want to hear it, but I think that... Naturally aspirated right-hand drive super. If you spend fifty-six grand on that, you're going to find yourself in a short period of time disappointed that you made that choice. It's fundamentally yeah, not a bad car, yeah, but yeah. you're going to be find yourself disappointed that was the choice you made. James really likes that Firebird, though. You don't see many of those anymore. It's the cheaper option at twenty-five it grand is, with yeah. forty thousand miles, but he can't stop looking at the Supra. So should he hold out for the Turbo instead of considering the naturally aspirated route? He says the car is immaculate, though. Doesn't that I'm happen sure to all of us? The car is perfect. It's immaculate. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. You're right there, and you're ready to justify the expenditure. Yeah. That happens. And they're telling you about the the, the full restoration. And you're, you're connecting. Going, oh, this, car, like this car is going to be stories. perfect. This car is never going to give me problems. I just think you're going to be disappointed you spent that much money on that car. James's kids are becoming more attached to the vet, especially mm. his youngest. And he's trying to get them both to understand that he's thinking of selling it for another car. And their collective answer is, <laughs> why can't you have both? This is the fantastic thing about <laughs> kid logic. Because, you know, budgets and things don't exist. But, Dad, just keep the Corvette and get something else. And we yeah. all, because we're children inside, go, well, yeah, that sounds great. And then the budget reality is dawn. James, you're driving the vet more to convince yourself to like it. You mm. shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to force yourself to drive a car to convince yourself, I like it and therefore should keep owning it. This was the vet. We talked about this at length on that on that episode. This was the vet your dad had when he died. And he gave it to you to take care of it, not because he wanted you to keep it forever. We talked about it all yeah. in the episode. Yeah. But he said, you're still finding it difficult to connect with the car. I 100% agree with Paul. That is not a car you need to keep for that reason. But we're glad to have been here to talk you through it. I hope you find something. But then you throw out a wild card. And I think it's a fascinating wild card, James. You said, hang on. Uh, you just drove an LC500 Lexus and you thought it was incredible. And even with a flat tire, I don't understand why it had a flat tire. He just loved it. He just wishes it had a manual. Now, I've said this before, James. I think the average person buying a Corvette, what they're wanting is an LC500. You've said this a lot. To You've said it enough to convince me, actually. I, I, I think, think you're right. If you're buying a vet because you want a affordable, do-it-all car that you can drive at the absolute limit and embarrass people on track and become a better and better driver. You're a Corvette owner. <laughs> but if you're buying it because you want to you want to cruise in something that is special yeah, and you want yeah. it to run whenever you turn the key or in this case it's the start button. You want it to run anytime you try to start it and you want to just enjoy the drive. And especially because a lot of Corvette owners have never owned any performance car prior. That's a key thing. You want an LC500. You don't want the Corvette. But James, I think it's fascinating because the Z06 is what really has your heart. That C6 Z06 is what has your heart, which is the big, crazy monster motor. But the LC500 is over here going, excuse me, I I like the LC500 very much for the right buyer. I typically like smaller, lighter than that car is. Yeah, yeah. But that is a timeless design. You know it's going to run. You never see them. You rarely see them. And they're gorgeous. They are pretty. So they're very cool. But you're right. You can't get them in a manual. James, this is tough, man. (laughs) 
I want you to keep looking, but I do want to encourage you that the LC500, if that's the way you go, that is a very strong buy. And I think that is a more interesting car than the Z51 C7 that you have. I think the LC500 is a more interesting car than that. There are versions of the C7 Corvette that I think are more fun than the LC500, but you have just C7. The LC500 mm. is more interesting than that. I do think so. <laughs> you can tell your kids. Yes, daddy is getting both. <laughs> My God, <gosh. laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That was episode 839. James M. Really appreciate it, James. Thank you for keeping us updated. And if you have your own update for us under the guise of a car conclusion, write to us TV at gmail.com. Topic Tuesdays too. We will take those submissions and of course your car debates. Winter is here and that means it's time to check your windshield wipers. That's right, old wipers can leave streaks across your windshield and simply fail to wipe away the snow, sleet, and rain, which leads to dangerous visibility. Look to PowerClear wiper blades from PowerStop. Since 1995, PowerStop has brought performance brake upgrades to nearly every vehicle on the road, and now PowerStop is bringing affordable safety upgrades with more than just brakes. PowerClear wiper blades feature RoadView advanced rubber technology to bring you streak-free, long-lasting visibility in all weather conditions. Forget fussing around with adapters and sizes. Each wiper blade kit is matched to your vehicle to include both driver and passenger side wipers with vehicle-specific attachments. You'll always know when it's time to replace your wipers with a built-in wear indicator, too. Head to PowerClearWipers.com to learn more and ensure your vehicle is winter-ready. This car debate that's next is from Mike M. in Colorado. It's a conclusion and a debate. And mm-hmm. Mike, I liked it because it really fit in the car conclusions episode yeah. here. It's a bit of both. And we had his car debate on episode 677 in early 2022. He said he copied the original email below and he was the guy with the garage full of six-cylinder cars. You remember the 986, the BMW X1, and the Volkswagen Atlas. <laughs> so oh, my favorite, the Atlas. <laughs> what I find hysterical uh, is he feels like we're some sort of either savants or prophets as a result. Because no, he said, no. Because here's why he says that. Because he said <laughs> right, right after writing his 986 uh, Boxster, the engine grenaded. He said it was oil starvation, not the IMS. Two weeks before his second child was, was born. So he sold that car as is, and it was a bummer. Uh, and then sucks. he said, we mentioned... That at some point, that BMW X1 might start, quote, acting like an old BMW. And he's like, how did you guys know? (laughs) Because it started doing exactly that. He said shortly after that, the BMW started acting up on him. He drove and really enjoyed the Mach-E. So much so that Mike ordered one. Mm. He needed to get into something sooner when his order for the Ford was going to be ready. He says this is early 2022. Wait times were approximately 11 months at that point. They're sitting on lots right now, I want to point out. You can wow. go find one. Anyways, fascinating yeah, time. Yeah, they are. Mike happened to fall into a really good deal on a used Model 3 Performance Edition. Mm. While that car was the fastest thing he's ever driven and plenty of fun, it wasn't quite big enough to fit a second kid seat in the back. And, mm. you know, just behind Mike and drive the driving feel was sterile, he says. Mm. So after four months, he traded it in on a Mach-E GT, not the one he ordered. And in late 2022, he got the dealership to eat $20,000 in additional dealer markup. Come on now. Give him far more for the Tesla trade-in than they originally offered. So you're one of those people, Mike, that beat the dealer. You, yeah, you ground the dealer down for sure. Yeah. Over the next 14 months, he fell in love with the Mach-E. 
but the reliability has not been great. Mm. He suggests that we search for high voltage battery junction box failure. If you got time and you just want to read some stuff that's horrifying, <laughs> you so. can absolutely search for that. Yeah. He says that is the IMS equivalent for Ford at this point. And now it's failed for the third time on Mike. My gosh. He's working with Ford to have them buy it back from him. Mm. Otherwise, his experience owning an EV was positive, like range and charging and driving dynamics and so all that stuff. So it fits his life. Yeah, I get it. It does, but yeah. I mean, this has happened throughout the history of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fighting yeah, yeah. the car maker to buy your terrible car back. Yeah, whatever that you is. end up with a lemon that has those kind of issues. Yeah. It needs to happen, yeah. So the biggest limiting factor on the new car is the ability to fit a kid seat behind him directly. His son is going to be in his rear-facing battleship with lasers, a guidance system, heat-seeking missiles for another year. Why are those seats that big? I, I think we're know. all in that same place. I understand for safety, but they're they're absurd. Safety. They're absurd. And, and a side note, you used to live in a world where you bought all this stuff for kids and you could hand it down to people. But there is a racket going on. And my son's long out of this, but we were fascinated by this racket when he was when he was tiny. The seats that were like the best in class this year are discussed next year as death traps. Like if you search like the new ratings for, no, you can't buy that seat anymore. So you can't hand anything down because the parents that are, whose little one was just born will look up reviews of the child seat you have that is now two or three years old and discover that, well, that's the most dangerous seat anyone ever made. You have to buy the brand new one with the missiles that just came out last week. So what happens to all the old seats? Do they get handed down to your neighbor or just at a garage sale or something or what happens? They either, they either wind up uh, in storage forever because that was little one's cow mouflage. <laughs> we had one of those car seats. Cow. Camouflage. The camouflage. There, that's a thing. Oh it's a God. thing. That was the little one's camouflage seat. So we're going to keep it forever and never use it again. They either get stored and, and collect right. dust or they get thrown out. I hate to say it. Seriously. Because parents are like, well, I can't get that one. That one's old. <laughs> that doesn't meet the crash safety ratings that it did last year. You, you and I were protected by mom's fast moving arm. Yeah, exactly. No helmets, no seat no. belts. And now this car seat from two years ago might be a death trap because it didn't come out last week. Anyway, side note. Wow. Well, Mike and his wife often have to split the kid hauling duty. So they need vehicles capable of the task. Both of them do. Mike is tall, six foot three. So that actually rules out a lot more options. And the options that he's test fit this monster seat in, do you buy the seat first to make sure it fits? Or do you buy the car and then try to match? Because that, that way you get the car that you want. You, you, that's how we, and I, What's I, I the do order? mean collectively we, that's how we should do it. We should buy the car we want and go find the car seat that works. But as parents, parents don't do that. Parents look online and we find the reviews for the safest possible car seat for the little one. I get it. I've been there. And then you buy this seat and then it winds up and you go, why is this this massive? It fits nowhere. And this is why you end up buying something far too big because you got to fit the seat. Anyway. Well, he needs this monster seat in cars, something interesting and fun, so that rules out Audi Q5s, Audi A5 Sportbacks, and Focus RSs. He's tried to test fit in all of those, and they are all no-goes. Interesting. Okay. Wow. He's got the ability to go with a budget of $35,000 cash for a new vehicle with a Paul limiter of forty. if he finances just a little bit. That's no problem. Or maybe okay. forty-five. What do we think? But he does say the lower that we stay on the budget, the sooner Mike can buy himself his dream Corvette. Keep your okay. eye on the prize. I right. love that, Mike. He is looking for four doors, all-wheel drive. Tires can only get you so far with deep snow. Eh, we should do a 
And yes, <laughs> deep, yes. Deep snow, I will deep, give it to deep you. Deep snow, if for sure. If you're cutting tracks, but if, if it's been plowed anytime recently, bring out the sports car. Anyway, exactly. separate thing. He says, somewhat engaging to drive. Okay. A big back seat. Yes. Manual would be awesome. Brand agnostic and somewhat decent on gas, like 30 miles to the gallon. Mm. He also attached a spreadsheet. Yes, he did. It's long. Uh-huh. He's got a lot on his radar, stuff like the V90 Volvo or a CX-50 Mazda. I like that you had the Porsche Cayenne diesel. I mean, those are, that's the sweet spot. Get the 2014 Cayenne diesel. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why you need the diesel necessarily, but the Cayenne is definitely an option. Anyway. Oh, you've got the Touareg. Mm-hmm. Not, don't get the diesel. There was a time, a short time, Mike, when the Touareg came with the V10. The V10. V10 in a Touareg. Uh-huh. You could pull your house off the foundation. Well, and just, put it on the roof. That's never going to happen again either. It was fascinating. Volkswagen Arteon is on your list? I'm surprised that has enough space. Anyway, all right. I'm surprised it's compelling enough for you, Mike. Well, separate or issue. But, but compelling the enough back for seats is a reality. Drive, the Volkswagen really. 7... Uh, Mark 7.5 Golf R, the Porsche Macan, which I, I really question that that has big enough back seats because that does not have very big back seats. And the Hyundai Ioniq 5, which you've already proven that electrics do work for you. What should be looking at? I think the Cayenne is a great option. I know you're not at all surprised to hear me say that. I, I Again, I think the Macan is just too small. I don't think that big mm-hmm. monster missile seat is going to fit in the back. I don't think you should restrict yourself to diesel. <laughs> Cow mouflage. Cow mouflage. It's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. Uh-huh. The Golf R is interesting. I'm surprised that it has enough back seat space in relation to the Focus RS. I know it has a little more, but I mean, how big is this seat? That's my question. The the Volvo Vic. <laughs> you no, know, the dealer, the salespeople at the dealership, are like, oh no, not another one. Yeah, lugging a seat you in the door. You pull up in the minivan and pull out the seat like, with all the, the everything dangling. Yeah. No. Anyway, uh, the Volvo V90 is really cool, but I don't think it'll be interesting enough to drive. And I feel the same way about the CX50 Mazda. I don't think either of those you're going to find interesting enough to drive. What you're stuck with is that big back seat reality. You're asking for this, all this, and manual. I, this is almost an impossible reality. I think the Cayenne gets it done, but I have one random wild card. My wild card gets completely done, all the boxes checked except for one. Okay, what is it? Which keeps it a wild card. I'm gonna start with the Volvo S60 or the V60. I Love like it. that mic. Yeah. I like the Hyundai Elantra N that's got a big back seat and the Subaru yes, WRX. What yeah, about a that's decent. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what you're looking for. And the Elantra N has got actually because the the interesting thing about the N we've talked about this before, the front seats on the N are thinner than they are on the base cars, creating even more back seat space. Yes. So that actually might be the solve because you're going to end up with more back seat space than normally. That's a really good one. Wedge the howitzer in back there yeah, somehow. Like the wild card that gets everything done, Mike, is the Honda Civic Si. Okay. Obviously. Not all-wheel drive. Yes. Cannot check that box. True. It's got a huge back seat for its size. Comes in Mm -hmm, manual. Great mm -hmm. gas mileage. Great commuter. Fun to drive. And you can buy one with cash with your budget. I think that's great. It's just not all-wheel drive. Yeah, I think that's great. How attached to that are you? It's a good question. I'm not sure about it either. The the wild card I had was a used BMW 4 Series. Because those have surprisingly big back seats. Okay. You could get that in all-wheel drive. The 4 Series is a two-door. That's where I get in trouble. That's the problem. You're saying there's no perfect car. I am saying there's no perfect car. I really do like the SI because except for not being all-wheel drive, that's a good one as well. I mean, look, the Ionic 5 would work. You've already proven you like uh, electrics. The GV60 or the EV6 are sister cars of that. I think you should look Mm -hmm. at all of the above. But uh, I know I'm a foregone conclusion here. But with what you're wanting... 
I really think Cayenne is closest. Maybe even Cayenne with manual. Oh, yeah. Oh. Because that is one of the rare realities where you could get everything you're talking about and get a manual. They're not common, but they are out there. Wow. Well, Mike, happy hunting. Wishing you all the best. You've got some driving to do. No, I take that back. You've got some wedging to do. Yes. You've got some shoving Mm -hmm. and pushing and you're going to say things you didn't want to in front of people because the thing (laughs) won't fit in the stupid back seat. and Seat testing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why we don't do seat testing. On Instagram, MattMay15 asks if we've ever been approached by a talent agency. Mm. Looking to represent us and grow the brand. Uh, Matt, do you work at a talent agency? <laughs> he asked if we'd be interested. Yeah, Matt, what, where are you coming from? Uh, have we been? Approached? Here's the thing. We have worked with a couple of different reps over the years that have helped us with specific things. PR side, agent side. No, we've approached couple. at least one or two. Yeah, we've, we've had a few of these conversations. Nothing's ever gone, very, gone really long term. The short answer is Sure. We're open to any and all conversations. If there's somebody has an idea, would like to work with us toward a goal, mm-hmm. we'd love to know what those thoughts are. I mean, we always have our own goals. We always have ideas that reach well beyond our station. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously we know we've been doing this long enough. We know who we are and who we aren't. And one of the issues we've yeah. had with Hollywood is they're like, cool, you guys are this. Why don't you go be that? We're like, no, 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 no. We, we, no, we, we know who we are and what we do. <laughs> yeah. We're asking if you could help us move that further. If, if you know somebody that would help us move the ball further, we're, we're happy to have that conversation. You know, you've taught me something about the, the produced, quote unquote, aspect of shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to spot it. Sometimes it's not easy for me to really spot it, but other times it's pretty blatant and I can recognize it because when somebody comes in and say, well, yeah, that's that's nice that you do that, but what you really should do is blank and then that starts to be disingenuous mm-hmm. and not true to brand. And that's something that we have always stuck on. Yeah, yeah. We, we can't shy away from that because we all of us listening can really figure out real quickly if you're you're just trying to put one past me. If, if your honesty is all gone, that's what we've mm. built our reputation on. And that that is unassailable. That cannot be messed with. So when it comes to like, well, you should add this or start to do this thing, well, we got to run it through filters first. Yeah, it has to be something that we can do. But, but we're open to conversations for sure. Jonathan C. is asking for us to argue against type. I really like this. For you, he has a design question. For me, he has a weight question. What is a 5,000 pound or heavier sedan other than the Phaeton that I would love to track. Is <laughs> there one? Since I, am, one? since I am the guy that likes lightweight things, what super heavy sedan would I track? What heavy, be- <laughs> he knows a heavy beast is anti me. That's what he's asking about. What heavy sedan would I track? Probably one of the big seven series. I don't know that they're over, well, some of them are around 5,000 pounds. A big seven series, I would do that. That would be very fun to track. Uh, some of the RS versions of the Audi world, I don't know that they're quite that heavy, but those are interesting as well. The Porsches aren't that heavy. The the, the Panamera is not quite that heavy. Those are kind of designed course, to be on track. Yeah, true. Ish. And then, of course, we're getting into, again, they're not quite this heavy either, but things like the uh, the Challenger. Big Hellcat, Hellcat monster, last edition, super red-eye demon, whatever we're calling it this week. Those versions of the Challenger would be riotously fun on track. The Phaeton would be the ultimate laugh because that's why I've had one and already did it. 5,000 pounds. Okay, here's, here's my public service announcement. That's too heavy to be on track. 
Yeah. <laughs> the the amount of tires what kind of and madness. You know, we have a friend who has a uh, the E63 AMG. Uh-huh. Yes. That's the kind of thing you want to take on track. And then you want to weep over the tire and brake bills and to he get has, yourself home. He yeah, has. for sure. He asks me, Jonathan says, what is the ugliest looking car that I love to drive? Love, love to drive. (laughs) Ugly is suggestive, but as a designer, I know an ugly car when I see one. Well, so does anybody else, even though it's all subjective. But he also says no BMWs, Beaver T for silly, but not downright ugly. I will argue that. I will die on that hill. The Beaver T are ugly. I do not like them. I'm wrong, though. Because BMW is being successful. They're selling them. It's sad. They're yeah. selling. People mm-hmm. are buying them. I am completely wrong. I still don't like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the M2, the new M2, I think, what a great car to drive that I, I love to drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the good news is I'm in it. <laughs> I don't have, I'm not on the outside looking at it. That is for you what the first gen Panamera was for me. It's like, if, if you blindfold me and cl- get me in the car, now I'm really excited. Yeah. Other ugly cars. I mean... There would be ugly cars that I would drive as a laugh, but I can't say that I love them. It's almost like ugly cars drive ugly. (laughs) Do they not? I like this. That's good. That's very good. You drive an ugly car. Some of the IS uh, or the the F Sport series Lexus cars. Yeah, I see that. Ugly front end. Eric noticed the photo that you posted with me in my uh, crazy Star Wars extra helmet, but we happen to still be wearing red and blue so you can tell who's who, which we <laughs> I swear to you we do not plan, but it does happen naturally. Do we ever switch shirt colors to confuse people? Here's how far it's gone, Eric. We switched shirt colors when we had our cheap sports cars mm. on track, mm-hmm, yeah. and it confused me, the editor, <laughs> okay, because I'm so right. conditioned That's to who right. has what color on, and we were both wearing full-face helmets, so on first glance, like when I would, would scroll through the edit quickly, I would get myself confused as to who was who. And they'd be, no, 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 not in this one. Paul's in red. I'm in blue. So we <laughs> confuse. Say, we we, we just stay. We just stay in our lane. That's what we do. Clayton T has noticed that we give YouTubers shade, specifically mm. me, with comments about drag races, and we're here to find out. I do. Mm. Do we consider ourselves YouTubers? If not, how would we define our current career? Hmm, where are you going with this? You had a good suggestion about saying that we host, we co-host a car show. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter the medium through which the car ho- show is hosted. Because yes. we spent a lot of time on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. And that yes. was the show. We're not mm-hmm. TV personalities. We never set out to be celebrities. Mm-hmm. But there's this, I suppose, a small part of that that we've run into. We've get, gotten recognized in airports and other you know, yeah, restaurants yeah, yeah. and venues. It's fun to just make the connection. Sure, yeah. But we're the same in person that we are on camera. We don't know <laughs> how else to be. We don't have another setting, yeah. Whereas YouTubers is derogatory to me because, it, especially in the car world, it means I've bought something expensive and I've crashed it on purpose or I'm trying to pull one over on you or I don't really know what I'm doing with the car and I crashed it, head in hands, emoji, sad face on the thumbnail. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to respect that. I wrecked it. I burned it to the ground. I took it through a drive-thru. Especially yeah. anything involving destruction. Mm. That grinds me more than anything. Interesting. If you're okay. yeah. deliberately setting out to destroy the thing just for a laugh, there's a lot of people. I don't care what the object is. There's a lot of people who designed it and engineered it and made it and mm-hmm. shipped it and put a lot of effort in marking it and selling it. And that thing costs a lot to produce that people put their effort into making that thing. Mm -hmm. They were paid to do so. Fine. 
But when I see cars wrecked, especially deliberately, or even just stupid stuff happening, mm -hmm. that just grinds me. Destruction for the sake of destruction, just to get a laugh. That's why the Top Gear era where they went through their destructive phase, I turned it off. I couldn't stomach you did, it. You did have trouble with that. I, I remember did that. not yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, we're launching an old car off of, you know, into a mining pit mm -hmm, with the mm -hmm. remotes and, okay. Yeah, I remember. We, we know it's going to get smashed at the bottom. Like, yeah. I know it'll smash <laughs> at the bottom of the ravine. Sure. Interesting point. I, I think, look, Clayton, you can look at this two ways, okay? We are people who produce content that you saw on YouTube. By that definition, yes, we are absolutely YouTubers. Sure. Yeah. However, I think when I think of that term, and you're kind of going there, Paul, I think it has a certain style of delivery and personality that you and I are not comfortable doing. Yeah. Generally, yeah. that's what it means. It means more the vlogger style, the over-the-top. The, <laughs> Vloggers rile you yeah. up like oh, man. nothing. The hey guys where I'm staring at the camera <laughs> on the end of my arm while I spin around real quick. And I, I just, riles I, oh, you up. that really bugs me. You know, <laughs> actually produce something versus run around your life. But look, there are plenty of folks in that format that are far more successful than we are or will ever be on YouTube. Yes. I would say yes. back to where you are, Paul. We create this show and we create the kind of content that resonates with us as car people and answers questions we have that others we know that are car people also have. Even if they're weird off-kilter off questions like price of fun or whatever, sure. or something really expensive sure. or something really cheap. I and mean, we've pioneered a lot of that stuff because we feel like these are the actual questions we as car people ask. YouTube is one of our distribution platforms, but we have this podcast. It's interesting when I talk to people like, oh, I discovered you on Amazon. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make me an Amazonian. Okay. So, but does but, it? But you know, we were on Motor Trend and all this kind of stuff. So we're yeah. we're looking for any and all distribution outlets that are low cost and difficulty to us because we like to get the show out there. We have always produced it as a TV show style first, and so it's actually been very hard for me and Paul can attest over the. 16 plus years we've done this show, I've had to kind of scale back my production and post expectations to something manageable mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then maybe scale them back again. I mean, our test drive is not done at the level of our main channel because it needs to be done with a level of quickness. So we've never actually really honed our content for YouTube success. We do the stuff that, that resonates as honest to us and we hope people like it. That hits the nail on the head. I mean, there, there's a poor connotation with just YouTubers because you'll say YouTubers and people are like, oh, I know what you're about. And that could be negative. It could be. But yeah. there are parts, there's a lot of YouTube that is smart and engaging and funny and sure. entertaining and good to watch and a good use of your time. And that's what we want this show to be. An excellent use of your time. Mm. And our time too, rather than just junk that just adds to the noise. We want it to stand apart. We, we strive for that to be set apart. Look at my son in the, in the easy chair and go, hmm, still watching shorts, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Guys, thank you for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Write yeah, to us some for cool sure. car love it, conclusions. Love it. Topic Tuesdays are welcome. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.